This is the Comstock Report podcast. We are strong advocates for the American family farm and your top source for the agriculture markets. Welcome back to the Comstock channel. My name is Brian Hendrickson, and today is Friday, which means I have Eric on with us to navigate through this week and what has happened. Welcome, welcome. Yeah, thanks for having me, Brianne. Another one down, thank goodness. We're getting there. We're getting there. <laughs> Can't believe we have a month left to the next year. Jeez. I know. It's gone by very quickly. It is. But to start us off on this episode, we're going to talk about Brazil. Mm-hmm. They're, the grain market is micro-focused on it and on their weather. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... Soybeans in particular have just been hinging completely on what's going on in Brazil. Um, I, I decided I'd, I'd grab a, a current radar map, and, and this is, I say currents two hours ago as we're recording here, um, but about as current as you can get. And you can see this is this is the kind of thing they've been seeing consistently, and that is just pop-up showers uh, across the country, nothing isolated, nothing well-formed, nothing that's going to just heal but the market keeps seeing these deferred forecasts. And here we have another one this week where there is more rainfall. So the soybeans are suffering because of that. Uh, we struggled several times with the 1350 area and the January soybeans and, and couldn't get through that. And this is the reason why they're getting the light rainfall and more forecasted. So we're paying a lot more attention to forecasts and not so much to what's actually happening in the ground. All right, let's go ahead and talk about commodities, starting with corn. It did close in the green today, correct? Yeah, we did finish today in the green, and that was basically all the green we saw for the week. We had the March corn close two and a quarter cent higher uh, at four eighty four and three quarter. December did go into delivery uh, just yesterday, so the December contract becomes less significant from a trader standpoint because you can't really trade it anyway. Commercials and funds are in there battling it out, but uh, the the scary thing about this is is you have beyond a full carry in the market, you have a 20 cent spread between December and March. And so it's hard to imagine a scenario where funds are gonna wanna liquidate a short position where they can keep rolling to the next contract month at full carry. And the ethanol demand is still very strong. We have ethanol margins are still elevated. You can see above the break-even line, that portion in the red, we're still you know, well above break-even. They're still making money, but if you notice, since September, we're declining month over month uh, on those margin levels, which is reflected there by the red. And I, I just see this uh, being a direct result of lower crude oil. Uh, the energy complex has been struggling even with some turmoil around the world. But OPEC comes out, they were expected to uh, make some stronger cuts to production. They did not do that. Um, didn't impress traders. And so the strength that we were kind of starting to build this week then started waning again uh, on Thursday. And then we saw some follow through to the downside today on Friday. So they're still making money. The demand is still good. The corn is not massively piled like we would normally see. You know, some of these ethanol plants will have 3 million bushel piled up and they might have a million and a half or two. Uh, so they do not have the amount of corn that they normally would immediately following harvest at this time of year. So that's kind of something we need to watch. We're seeing that reflected in the basis levels. Uh, weekly exports, excellent this week, uh, nearly 2 million tons. And we're seeing uh, the bears with plenty to hang their hat on too. 
for these bullish arguments, you have, uh, we're not seeing Chinese buying. We have a huge carryout number. Uh, been six years since we made a trend line yield. So maybe we're overdue for a trend line yield, which would put us up in the low 180s. Um, th those kinds of things keep pressure on this market. And again, with a full carry, the funds will keep carrying their short position and just keep rolling. Um, you, like I said, overdue for that trend line yield, although there's arguments for reductions in acreage. So does one offset the other? Do we continue with this 2 billion bushel carry? Uh, or does something change and we start to see this demand shift and, and maybe we increase the ethanol grind? But uh, I made the comment that without some, some changes in Washington and, and some, uh, I get, I don't know if an, if an E15 mandate is actually necessary, but just some shifts in the ethanol story originating from Congress would have really helped us out and we're just not getting it. And, and, you know, one president after another makes promises and one president after another doesn't deliver. And we've been dealing with that forever. Um, but the, the biggest story in the corn for the longer term is going to be Brazil's soybean issues. If that continues, those effects linger over into the Safrina corn crop, then we have a real problem. We won't know that till after the first of the year and likely into the spring timeframe. So wait and see, I guess. Soybeans closed in the red today but I feel like they had a good week with exports and flash sales. Yeah, yeah. Um, there, was, there was plenty of storyline there. Again, the weather overpowers it. We did have really nice uh, weekly export sales. Um, not what you would hope to see this time of year, but good enough. And then you compound that with uh, some daily flash sales throughout the week. Today was a nice day, 330,000 tons on daily flash sales just today. Um, I, I, I fear that with the focus being so centered on these forecast models that we're just going to keep getting this pressure and then does the rain fall and can we move past the pressure? So you know, again, here Sunday through Thursday, the rains are forecasted. Do they actually fall? Do we get a little reprieve midway through that before the next forecast comes out? The rains that we've been getting have been in the West Central region, spotty but heavy there and you can see that reflected by the blue spots that you see and then that southern portion that's blue that area just can't afford any more moisture um they've had what that's uh eight inches plus over the last two weeks and they've leading up to that they were getting eight inches a week just consistently and so it's a swamp down there so they can ill afford that in the southern regions and then when you get out to those west central regions those were some some pretty healing rains over there now that that covers maybe 50% of your growing region, the rest left without. And the temperatures that they've been having up until this week just negated all the rainfall that they were getting in the lighter areas because anything less than an inch wasn't even compensating for the heat they had during those days. So now you've got temperatures back down in the, into the 90s. Do the rains develop in the coming days and do they get this next system that's going to move through and that's where all the focus is going to be. Uh, I do feel like there's starting to be a little bit of, of trader sentiment that we're going to see some reductions in Brazilian production uh, next Friday, which we'll be able to talk about that when we do this recap next week. Uh, we do see a USDA crop production and WASDE reports uh, on the 8th. So a week from today, we'll be looking for those. Maybe they drop the numbers a little bit. Uh, I think traders are hoping so. I think it is warranted. I just don't know how much the USDA is going to give us at this point because it is still pretty early to make those adjustments. Uh, probably be another 30, 45 days 
before we can really analyze how big a situation these adverse weather conditions have created through the heart of the growing region down there. All right, let's switch to livestock, cattle, yeah. rough week. Yeah, again. Uh, I'm, I'm glad we didn't record last Friday. I'm glad I was out in Colorado enjoying the snow in the mountains. I had a friend of mine text me and ask me if I was paying attention to any markets. And rather than look at the market, I just said, nope. And he said, well, good for you <clears throat> because uh, feeder cattle had lost $7 that day. And uh, the next day on Monday, they lost another $6. And that's where we put our lows in, at least for the time being. We were back flirting with those lows in both fed and feeder cattle today. Um, it, it's it's a nasty situation. We've got to hold those Monday lows or we open up to some serious downside risk because then we're breaking out new contract lows at a time when cash is already struggling. It's just a bad situation. Um, feeder, feeder cattle cash um, has just been notching lower throughout the last really month and a half or so. I was noticing today we were down to consistently 221 cash trade based on an 800 pound steer. That is $31 back of where we had stabilized towards the top at 252. So, you know, it, you can look at the board and you can say, well, it shouldn't be doing that, but the cash is doing the exact same thing. So, uh, Definitely not a good situation there for the feeders. On the fat cattle side, you're going to see two to three dollar lower conf confirmed cash next Tuesday when we get those reports. Um, fed cattle in, on a live basis in the south have been primarily 173. Uh, you've been primarily 174 in the north, but that that should be something like two and a half dollars lower on the week. Dress trade even worse. Nebraska and Iowa dress trade down four dollars for the week. Um, that that sell-off on Friday into Monday really sparked a lot of panic hedging. Um, anybody who had these cattle that are their sale date is anywhere in sight, they're going, "What am I going to do? I've got to, I've got to at least stop the bleeding somehow." And so then you start seeing panic hedging, and and they're setting floors. Well, that drives the board lower, and then that drives the cash lower, and it's just this compounding effect. And amazingly, it's doing it all on its own. Typically, the cattle would be sympathetic to the stock market. We'd see some support from there. Crude oil hasn't been tanking. There hasn't been just a mass sell-off in all commodities. But the cattle have been doing it all on their own, which isn't the greatest thing. I will say, though, there is some signs of life. Uh, carcass weights are still high, but we are starting to see fewer and fewer heifer numbers in the sales. So I think we're starting to see some heifer retention. We should start to see some herd rebuilding. As those holding those uh, producers start holding back those heifers, that that'll be the first sign that we're ready to start moving this thing a little higher. We'll see lower cattle on feed numbers. That should start within a couple three months. Uh, so there is some things out there. Uh, as far as that panic hedging goes, there has still been a lot of interest in LRP, uh, livestock risk protection insurance, been having conversations about that on a daily basis. But most are looking for some kind of a retracement rally to a higher price to get some of that protection put on. And I chose the April live cattle chart because it's just most indicative of the complex overall, whether it's live or feeder cattle. And so if, if you look at this, I mean, from the low that we made on Monday uh, in the 170 and a half area, just a, a decent little retracement could take you back up to 181, 182. And if it decided to get salty, you could be attacking the gap levels back up around 190. So 
I, I don't know what the right answer is as far as where does someone start laying into that. All I would say is that it wouldn't be out of line to expect some kind of a retracement rally as an opportunity to get protection put on and hopefully salvage this turn of cattle that's out there right now. Hogs not Sad catching day. a break either. I feel like they're suffering. They are suffering. It's not, I feel like they are, they are suffering. Yeah. Yeah. The hogs ironically did have a positive week. It just wasn't much. And the overall sentiment of the marketplace is terrible. Uh, hog producers are, they're, they're in trouble. Um, even contract growers, they're going to be looking at massively revised contracts when they come due and we're creeping up on the first of the year pretty quick here. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Uh, February hogs did finish the week a dollar 22 higher at 7010. Um, cash has not been friendly. We get one or two good days and then four or five bad. And that trend just continues. Um, we get one heavy day with some higher cash trade and they fill all their needs for the week. And then it's back down for the rest of the week. Um, we did go back. Uh, like I said, we finished the week higher, but we finished the week higher on a lower day because we had gone back and filled a chart gap um, that was left middle of last week. So maybe that was all it was. It may have just been some technical buying, looking, targeting that gap level. We achieved that today and then finished off lower for the day. Um, th this, I, I guess one thing that I did here is particularly from feed suppliers, they're, they're starting to get a little nervous about this situation because they know these guys aren't making any money. Um, and so David has written a piece uh, just this week about the hog market and and how it's reminiscent of what we saw in 98. And I, I hope to hell we don't see eight to 10 cent hogs again, but this situation is bad. And the only chance for reprieve is once we get this sow liquidation working through the system, which won't be until late spring, early summer. So fingers crossed we can make it there without too much more bleeding. Overall, how do you feel about this week? You know, I didn't feel too bad about this week. Um, I think one of the major things that and I'm a little old school in my in what I pay attention to and maybe my trading methodology. But we had a full moon um, to start this week, which always creates some chaos in the markets. It's odd, but it happens. Um, so I always keep track of the full moons. We did have that to start the week. And you had a lot of basis contracts on December corn, a lot of basis contracts that had to be taken care of before the end of November. Well, yesterday was the end of November. You saw corn make a low early week. I feel like with all those basis contracts being filled, that corn was sold. That sold corn gets hedged. That drives the market lower. That could be a, a longer term low for the corn. Um, I don't know what interest anyone would have in selling this, but I do think that the funds are going to hold short in this full carry market. However, um, holding a position and adding to it are two very different things. So hopefully we've stopped going down and I think that'll be the driver moving forward. Another one that I watch all the time is the oat market. Oats tend to be a precursor to the rest of the small grains. Oats finished 35 cents off their low in just two sessions. Wheat's coming around at the same time. There's some things to feel good about. Um, hopefully the for our sake here in the U.S., hopefully the troubles persist down in Brazil and we can see some higher trade out of our soybean market here as well. But I think we still are in a situation where 
if we get the impetus to push back up into the $14 area, you're going to see a lot of hedging. So I don't expect fireworks, but I think we could move higher. And I felt pretty good about how things went today. Cattle uh, got to hold Monday's low. That's the biggest thing right now. And hopefully that's not too big of an ask. Uh, I, I am taking a shot at some long cattle down here and, and just risking something below that low. Um, and of course that, that risk uh, tolerability varies by trader, but hopefully those lows will stay in place and maybe we can see a little push up here and get, get that retracement rally as an opportunity for producers. All right, that'll do it for this episode. Thanks for being on and have a great weekend. All right, Brian, you too. For a more complete version of the Comstock Report with hedging strategies and trade recommendations, subscribe on our website at Comstock.com or reach out to one of our risk management specialists about how we can help you protect your profits. Futures trading involves risk. The risk of loss in trading futures and or options is substantial, and each investor and or trader must consider whether this is a suitable investment. Past performance is not indicative of future results.